is that you can continue a type of meditative practice on your own. And in terms of big mind process, one of the ways is simply sitting down and asking the controller for permission to speak to big mind, big heart, and simply rest in that ever-present condition. One of the great things about the different lineages and the different traditions is how I like to think about it anyway is tapping into different dimensions, different facets of that ever-present brilliant clarity of what you actually are. And one of the particular approaches I really appreciate is the Tibetan Dzogchen, one aspect of it, which is that when you're resting in ever-present big mind, things are continuing to arise. In a sense, within you, although inside and outside doesn't have a whole lot of meaning. But if you feel the texture of moment to moment arising, and you're in that spaciousness, you're resting in that spaciousness, you're recognizing that ever-present clarity within which everything is arising, the stuff that is arising self-liberates into emptiness. And I love the phrase self-liberate. Because what it really means is whatever is arising in you, it can be something positive or it can be something negative. Uh, but so whatever is arising in the environment, as it arises in emptiness, it just self-liberates. In other words, there's no attachment, there's no identification. It arises, your own awareness, your own feelings, your own thoughts, your own ego is allowed to arise in this space. It's fine, there's no reason to try to get rid of your ego. The only thing that wants to get rid of the ego is the ego. <laughs> the mirror mind is fine with everything that arises. If you're trying to get better or get rid of something or get in touch with something, that's okay too, just let that arise. But it's that ever-present great perfection that is impossible to avoid. And the spaciousness of it is captured in the phrase self-liberate. So when you have anger, and you just simply notice it arising in the vast spaciousness of infinity. There's plenty of room for it. And because infinity is really big. <laughs> so it's big enough for your ego. It's big enough for your <laughs> doubts. <laughs> well, for the subject too. something that has that kind of characteristic. 
but the self-liberating nature of everything that arises, everything arises and self-liberates into its own nature, which is emptiness, or vast spaciousness. And it's like, as you introspect, it's like you're, you actually look inside yourself, so to speak, what's left of it. It's like looking at the Grand Canyon. It's that much openness. And it's important, one of the reasons that we really try to get a, a good grounding, a good understanding of big mind, big heart, their integration, is to counteract a certain uh, striving they can tend to associate with doing a kind of integral transformative practice. Because even though paradoxically it's appropriate that you practice these different dimensions of your finite being so that you can become a more effective communicator of this ever-present awareness. It, it, you don't practice it to achieve this ever-present awareness. You practice these dimensions of yourself so that you are a competent prophet spokesperson for this ever-present awareness. And so understanding the ever-present nature of it gets you out of a certain metaphysical strive drive. Um, and we have to be a little bit careful when we're doing any kind of integral practice or integral transformative practice. Because even though it is the appropriate thing to do to manifest great perfection, it's the appropriate thing to do to manifest Godhead. Since that is your own deepest self at any event, then that's what you want to basically exercise those dimensions. But it also can tend to call up a remnant of, um, let's just say, an overachieving self. It's like, those people just meditate. I lift weights and meditate and study take violence and jog. <laughs> so, all of which is fine, but it all still is self-liberating in your ever-present condition. You're not going to get your ever-present condition by doing that. So I think that's one of the great kind of touchstones we do want to remember as we're doing that. And right now, as we move into question and answer, or really whatever you want to do, seriously, it's often it's often some, some questions and some answers. What tends to happen sometimes as you are equilibrating to being able to confess the already enlightened and awareness that you are, it's, it's a little bit of a tough confession. And as you do that, it, it's, it's easy to find occasions to identify with something that's arising in all space. And once that happens, that it's, it's not that you lose your ever-present condition. It's just you can get caught up in an endless display of objects. And you call objects yourself. So, you can be aware of the thinker right now. You can be aware of your finite self right now. 
get a really good sense of yourself, that thing you carry around. And whatever that is, is not your true self. So, yeah. and, and, and that's the party that has the name tag, in case you're wondering. So it's very interesting when all of a sudden you realize that there's a, a, an awareness in you that is aware of you, of what you called you. And it seems like you have these two selves. And in a certain sense, you do. But don't confuse them. And all of a sudden, it's a very, very interesting realization that you can watch the thinker. You can watch yourself. You can watch your ego. You can feel it. And that's why that the thing that you're aware of is an object. It's not the pure subject. It's not pure seer. It's not pure awareness. And that it's very, very interesting type of feeling to hold. Because integral transformative practice operates on the self that isn't your real self. And all, all quadrants, all levels, all lines, all states, all types, is a map of samsara. It's a map of the prison. But if you're going to make a prison break, get a good map. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so we don't want to, as long as we got that part straight. So this kind of divine schizophrenia, if you will, is uh, paradoxically your, your overall condition which consists of your nirvanic self, pure formless, emptiness, witnessing, awareness, moment to moment, and then the self that you're aware of as an object. And the more the self you're aware of as an object is exercised in all of its dimensions, the less it will annoy you. And the less it annoys you, the less likely you are to identify with it. And so, under those circumstances, it becomes a vehicle of the I amness that you are. And what we don't want to do is err to one side or the other of that. We don't want to just rest in I amness. There are traditions that do that. It's not a bad thing. It just makes it really hard to contribute to the world in any positive sense. And then there are others that want to simply identify with the body and have experiential realization. And that's fine. They are identifying with that which they are not. And they're identifying with a finite self. And they're identifying with a self that will stay a bit, torture them enormously, and then die. And somehow getting in touch with that is a good thing. Get degrees in it in alternative universities. So we want to try to do both of those. But it's always a good reminder that the self that we are working on is an object. Categorically is an object. You can see it. And that which you can see is not the seer. 
and the seer is this vast emptiness in which all of this is arising. And the dual side of the tantric street, nirvana and samsara are one, emptiness and form, you've heard all of the ways of saying that. And what that really means is that in you which is witnessing this moment to moment is emptiness, is nirvana. And that which you can see is form, samsara. And form has one structure, um, it's finite, it's partial, and as Buddha, the first noble truth is form is here to torture you. And that's true if you identify with another form who's getting bashed around. So if you identify with one object, all objects do is crash into each other. And they have sort of two fundamental drives. They have hope and fear. So anything that you see as an object in yourself, that's that finite self. And it's driven by those, those kinds of motives. And we have a little bit more, more complex, sophisticated motivation for finite things called agency and communion and eros and thanatos, things that drive whole lots. That's still things that drive finite things. And all finite things yearn for is infinity. So if you rest in infinity, then finite things are fine. If you identify with a finite thing, welcome to hell. And so what we don't want to do is think that by exercising our finite selves, we're going to get our finite selves into a condition where they're happy. Because they will never be happy. They will just be buff. <laughs> that's not to be confused. <laughs> the only thing that's happy is the witness. So that pure self, that pure awareness, that pure big mind is happy in the sense that it's already free. It's already the space in which things arise. And because that is so, there's nothing that can crash into it. There's nothing that can hurt. There's nothing outside of you that can crash into you. So you're free of fear when you rest in that. And because there's nothing outside of you, there's nothing that could possibly complete you. So you're free of hope. And then within that spaciousness, these finite things arise. And that's the extraordinary game of manifestation. And so in the manifest side of the street that we are, the thing that is best done is engaging that game fully. Because that's the actual manifest exuberant side of this ever-present self that you are. And that's, that's a striking thing about it, is that in the deepest part of you, in that I amness that you are right now, there is an impulse not to stay alone. And I find that, I find that in, endlessly fascinating, that in that infinite bliss that you are, you could have simply stayed that way for eternity. But you chose to throw yourself out 
and create all of this. It's astonishing. And then all of us at some point identified with one of the little objects that were arising in our actual primordial self. And as we moved from an identity with that I amness to an identity with this finite body mind, the nightmare uh, began. So we're here to celebrate the uh, recognition that the nightmare is not fundamentally touching what you are. And when that's the case, these finite objects become not the vehicle of what you are, but the vehicle of expressing what you are. And we want to have that expression simply be as full and as complete and as radiant as possible. So that's what an integral map is for. The integral approach is on that side of the street. It's not a way to find the ever present. It's a way to manifest more fully the ever present. So that's what we want to try to balance as we're doing this. So it's a good counter measure to, to as many modules as we can train and as many practices as we can do of just realizing that they are actually arising in this space and self-liberating in this space. And then they can be taken up as a form of play and expression joyously. So that's part of what integral, integral practice is about that. It looks like y'all fully Understand this too, so this is good. Um, so let's let's play.